Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 10th, and I know what you listeners must be thinking. Whose alto voice is that? I'm expecting the nice tones of James Foster McDonald, but no, Jamie's still at Wimbledon doing some on-site coverage, but also enjoying himself a well-deserved vacation. So he is out today. I will be filling in. However, we did not want to make you listeners, you know, too out of too uncomfortable. Get you too out of the comfort zone. So joining me today to break down what was an excellent quarterfinal round of the women's Wimbledon uh, singles championships. You may remember him as a four-star recruit. On tennisrecruiting.net, our fantastic writer for crackrackets.com. We affectionately refer to him as Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Maddie, welcome back to the mini break. <laughs> Thanks, man. This is uh, this is what we call the business end of the tournament, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were about to say this is what we called the business, you know, a little business decision when I'm filling in for Jim. <laughs> well, no. that too. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. This is crunch time. This is where you know we see who's got their marbles, who doesn't, who's ready to bring it because you know all eyes now for these women, especially today. No days off in between the round of 16 and the quarterfinals. You know, some players played straight sets. Some played best of or three set matches yesterday. So obviously, physically, all of these players are worn down after a long week of tennis. We got to see, you know, these players really fighting for it and leaving it all out there today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the quarters, right? And I, you know, I, watching some of these matches, I do feel like having to play, you know, both on Manic Monday and then come back around and play the quarters the very next day is tough. And I think we saw some effects of that, you know, in the matches. But, I mean, it is what it is. They had a couple days rest before Manic Monday. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, man, I mean, we're not messing around at this point. Because you brought that point up, I'll repeat it one more time. Matt Zemek and I talked about this topic, and we've talked about you know scheduling imbalances at the majors in general over the course of a couple of the mini-break podcasts we've done together. He wrote a great piece about it on his website, TennisAccent.com, so definitely, listeners, go give that a look. Uh, but we talked about if you remove the middle Sunday, what does that do? And the difference between Wimbledon and every other slam by not playing is they are really able to reset the tournament and the sacrifice for some of these players, obviously for the women, uh, is that they don't get a day off in between the round of 16 and the quarterfinals. But the counter to that is after that point, uh, they're you know now they're all on the same schedule. It's not like at the Australian Open where one semifinalist has no days off, the other has one day off. It's much more balanced the rest of the way. There's also, of course, the discussion if you take away the middle Sunday for Wimbledon, that's usually around July 4th weekend. Uh, will that, in fact, you know, do you lose the opportunity to show? tennis fans showcase Wimbledon that's a discussion on itself but no you could certainly tell in certain matches today uh, you look at the Karolina Mukova match uh, from yesterday with Pliskova she wins at 13-11 playing yep. as physical of a match as she did against Fidelina today obviously you could see that wear and tear come the end of the second set but you know that aside I thought everyone brought their a-game today uh, eh, for the most part, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Yes, yeah, true. Say Joe Conta right now is like, no, I didn't. Right. And you're, it, you're you're correct. I I may, have, but what I'm saying is, it was a high level of tennis on all four courts. It was, yeah. I mean, there's there's no question about it. I mean, all of these players were deserving of being there. I mean, they earned it. They they won a bunch of matches to get to this quarterfinal point. So, um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, they, they were ready to go. It's just, you know, fatigue is bound to set in, especially like you mentioned that Mukova match from yesterday. I mean, you go that deep in a third set, you got to turn around, you know, and play again the next day. And I, we, we saw some of that towards the end of her match, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Well, since uh, it seems like that's the player we've both centered on to start this podcast, we'll go a little bit out of order and start with her match. Uh, Karolina Mukova, as we mentioned, she knocks out Pliskova yesterday, makes the first quarterfinal of her career and only her fourth major Grand Slam main draw. She matches up with number eight seed Alina Svitolina. Svitolina coming into the match has really found her form. uh, She's gotten better and better throughout this tournament, and she continued that run today. Now, it was fascinating because Mukova went up, or she got broken right out of the gate, then won three straight games to go up 3-1, had a lead at 5-3 and served for the set, uh, but never got to a set point on that occasion. And, you know, her not, you know, having opportunities, but not capitalizing on them. That was almost the theme of the match in Svitolina's 7-5-6-4 win. Now that's not to take anything away from Svitolina, but I would say, you know, speaking to that high level of play, Matt, Mukova certainly had chances to win this match. Oh, yeah. No question about it. I mean, towards the end of that second set as well, Svitolina got a little tight. I don't know if you noticed that, but I mean, she was definitely getting a little bit tight towards the end of that match. And I thought Mukova was maybe going to take advantage and, and, you know, push that thing to a third. But I, I just don't think she had enough gas in the tank to do it. But I mean, if we're, you know, we're looking at this match from a broader scope, it was it was a high quality match. I mean, Svitolina did not make that many unforced errors. Um, You know, they were playing good tennis. And and like you mentioned, I mean, I think think Mukova is going to be disappointed because, you know, she she had multiple chances, I think, really in that first set. And then even to come back in the second when when Svitolina, I thought, was getting a little bit nervous and, and tight at the end. So... Um, but Spitalina, man, I mean, I think she deserves this. She's been a player that's been top 10 for a while now, right? I mean, she should she should be in the semis of a major. It's been a long time coming. So uh, to me, I'm, I'm happy to see her at this position. You mentioned those opportunities, the numbers that scream out to me from the stats from this match. You look at the receiving points won for both players. Svitolina, she wins 35 of the 70 receiving points she plays for 50%. I mean, that is an outstanding number, and obviously that is why she won. But for Mukova, she goes 31 of 67, wins 46% of her receiving points. I mean, there's six total breaks in this match. Or, sorry, there's 10 total breaks. Svitolina, 6 of 11. Mukova, 4 of 6. Yeah, both of these players, particularly in that second set, you know, they traded, I think, or, or there was the early break for Mukova and then a lot of holding serves. Fidelina breaks back five all. She gets another break in a long deuce game where Mukova had uh, a couple of game points, one of which she double faulted on, the other which she missed. Not an easy, but a very makeable forehand approach shot. And on a shot like that, even if you don't hit a winner, you've just got to put that ball in play when it's five all. Add in, you know, first set of a slam quarterfinal. And yeah, that's something that comes with youth, of course, those sort of jitters. Uh, but both players had chances. And for Svitolina, the numbers that pop out to me, you know, she goes 17 of 24 at the net in this match, a 71% conversion rate. Uh, she, as I mentioned, is re- returning so well, just put so many balls back in play. 24 winners against 16 unforced errors. 
Uh, but if you know, for her to make the jump in the semifinal against Halep, she's going to have to serve better than she did today. And you know, I guess the question that that leads me to is: Do you think Svitolina, who makes only fifty-five percent of her first serve, so obviously that never helps, but wins fifty-nine percent of her first serve points? 47% of her second serve points with that context. Do you think she struggled today on the serve because of any, you know, structural or game plan issues from her? Or do you think it was just Mukova, you know, taking returns early and really taking chances to rip those second serves? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, I think Svitolina was just a, a little bit off today with her serve. I mean, I, I, there's a chance she could come back <laughs> against Halep and, you know, really you know, turn those numbers around. And I think Mukova maybe had a little bit to do with that. Um, but but overall, I think this match is, you know, pretty much what we're looking for in a quarterfinal. I mean, I was, I, I don't think either player played, you know, poorly at all. I think they both played rather well and, and the numbers show that. But I just wonder what would have happened if we would have played this match on another day's rest. Like if, if this match was played tomorrow instead of today, would it have been any different? Because Mukova was out of gas, man. I mean, there's no question about it. I know she was feeling the effects of that match from yesterday. So I just, I wonder if if there was, you know, an extra day, would this result be flipped around possibly? I don't know. But regardless, I, I'm happy to see Svitolina at this position because, again, she's been at the top of the game for a while and, and she deserves to be here. Yeah, we haven't mentioned the things she did well in this match, and we will in a second, but just to finish on the Mukova point, look, 34 winners against 31 unforced errors. That's bringing your A game to the biggest stage, and she knew yeah. she had to take her chances. She had to shorten points, not let Svitolina rope her around the court. She goes to the net 35 times and wins 25 of those occasions. At, you know, as many times as she got broken serve, she did create six break points for herself, won four of those break points, as I mentioned, 46% win percentage on receiving points points she was right in there so this is such a good building block for her but yes to Svitolina you know Mukova came out firing there are times you know when her forehand down the line is clicking when she's taking balls early just good luck keeping up with her pace but Svitolina really weathered the storm she was she became the aggressor towards the back half of that first set and really uh, kept her foot on the gas in terms of making Mukova stretch to the outer thirds really keying in on that Mukova backhanded when she got a slice from her you know, sneaking in behind that approach shot, cutting off the slice early and hitting volleys. A great game plan for her. The the level we saw, I mean, she's got to, you know, iron out a few of the kinks on the serve. No doubt you can't serve 55% on your first serve against Simona Halep. But she right. has showed a level otherwise that she's a contender going into, you know, as you mentioned, the business end of this Wimbledon. Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and, you know, she's such a good retriever. I mean, she can play defensive tennis. She can play offensive tennis when she wants to. Um, she she has that combination where she can kind of play both both ends of it. But, yeah, I mean, Simona Halep is going to present a different challenge. And, I mean, I think that match could be an absolute classic. I mean, with the way that those two play, I, I would expect a lot of rallies – um, you know, it's going to be a grinded out tight match. And, you know, on, on the grass this year, we've seen some more of these matches with, with this, the way that it's playing so slow. So, um, yeah, Svitolina, man. I mean, she's, she's definitely got a shot. 
Yeah, Svitolina, I'm glad you mentioned she can do so many different things well. I think she lacks the firepower of an Ashley Barty, you know, that top-end firepower, but she can hurt you in a lot of similar ways. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree. She is well-positioned for that semifinal match, a rematch of the 2017 French Open semifinal where Svitolina was up a set and 5-1 on Simona Halep, who you mentioned, or as you mentioned, she will now face again uh, in the Wimbledon semifinals. Simona Halep today. A 7-6, 6-1 winner over Shui Zhang. And, you know, this was really, again, a tale of two completely different sets because, you know, Zhang wins the first three games, goes up an early break, and holds twice on Halep. She gets into all of Halep's serving games in that first set, just played so aggressively. Zhang, who I believe won the 2019 Australian Open doubles title, uh, you, you can just see why her all-court game translates so well to the surface. She's willing to take balls early, move in, cut off angles. Uh, but for Simona Halep, the number seven seed here, you know, in this seven six six one victory, once she found her range, the way she's able to, you know, track down that extra ball, but not only do that, but get it back with pace and depth, and just neutralize anything you want to do, and then put you on a rope and move you around the court. It's just, it's always so fun to watch. Yeah, no question about it. I, I mean, we we talk about Svitolina not making all that many errors. Simona Halep only had 13 unforced errors, I believe, in this match. So, I mean, that's that's a great number, and, and we know she can do that. And, you know, that's why I think that match, that semifinal match with Svitolina could be awesome because they're just there's going to be a lot of rallies, minimal errors, and, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, for Zhang, she started out pretty hot. Simona had to warm up a little bit, um, you know, come back from that 3-0 lead pretty quickly. But... Yeah, I mean, she did what she had to do. She snuck out that first set tiebreaker, and then, you know, it was pretty much over from there. I mean, Zhang, I, you know, her game is interesting. I just, I, I don't know. Once Simona came back, you know, and, and she got the lead in that first set, I, that, that was pretty much it, man. I just, I never felt like Zhang was really going to be able to threaten for three full sets in this match. Even if she somehow did sneak out that first set, I just – I never had the confidence that she was really going to be able to pull it off, did you, based on what we were seeing? Well, to your point, Zhang didn't come out hot. She came out on f***ing fire. It was <laughs> unbelievable to see the level of tennis she displayed in that first, you know, half of the first set. It was really – again, I was like – It was quick. I, no, I was thinking in this head like – who is this person and how have I not seen more of them? Because, you know, you look at the stat breakdown and again, shout out to the Wimbledon website, which I don't know why the other websites don't do it like they do. I see they've got the little IBM slam tracker in the top left corner. If the other slams can get that IBM sponsorship, let's try and, you know, get this all together because their stats on their website just simply better than everyone else. Uh, my point being, Zhang in this match, 22 winners in total, four of them in the second set, 18 of them in the first set. She was going after backhands cross court, following them in. She goes four of eight at the net, but it felt like all of those winners came in the first set. Yeah. I mean, she was taking it to help. She wasn't letting Halep get in a rhythm. She was. Ta- she knew 
you know, if the rally extends beyond 10 balls, I'm in trouble because that means I'm playing Simona's game. So she took her chances. You know, she made a ton of first serves early on uh, in that first set. Again, you look at the stat breakdown, uh, a really great performance from her. In the first set, she wins 78% of her first serve points. In the second set, that number drops down to 47%. Uh, Again, she was playing plus one tennis. Uh, She was being aggressive on Simona's return as well. Throughout the entire match, she holds Simona to 8 of 18 on second serve points, a 44% conversion rate. But in the end, again, Simona Halep, she found her range. 17 winners against 13 unforced errors. You know, I, I don't have a forced error count in front of me, but she certainly forced a ton of them from Zhang. She moved her to the out of third. She changed directions, didn't let Zhang be the one to be the initiator. And this is the sort of counterpunch tennis that, or not even counterpunch, but just counterattack tennis that makes Simona Halep one of the most talented players in the WTA game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, that's how she plays. It works. She's proven it. She can win at the highest level. Um, I just, it, it just seemed like Zhang, man, I mean, her game, she, she hasn't, it, with as well as she played in the beginning, I mean, over the, over the course of her career, she hasn't shown the ability to be able to sustain that level, I mean, really for an entire match, especially at this stage against a Simona Halep. I mean, it, it, you know, she just reverted back to the norm a little bit and, and Simona was able to take advantage of that. I mean, she did play great. You know, those first few games in that first set, but, you know, she's she's not a top 10 player, right? Let's be honest. I mean, she's more, she's ranked whatever, about 50 in the world. Simona Halep's a top 10 player, and she has been for a long time. So I don't think, you know, clearly she didn't, she didn't get frustrated after after those first few games. She didn't freak out or anything. She just kind of let Zhang come back down to the average. Simona picked her game up, and you know that's that's how we get that six and one score. Weathering the storm is so yep. important. Being able yep. to, as you mentioned, for Zhang, she's thirty years old, a career high twenty three in twenty sixteen, currently ranked number fifty. This is her second Grand Slam quarterfinal appearance ever uh, in singles, though she made a quarterfinal at the French uh, in doubles. She won the Australian this year, and then the semifinals at the U.S. Open last year. She's been as high as number nine on doubles, and you know, on the doubles tour. And I think those skills, you know, emphasize so well on this surface. We saw what she's capable of when she's playing her best tennis, but yes, you you said it perfectly. She wasn't able to sustain that level. Simona Halep was, and that's why she's moving on. And I want to save the women's semifinal previews for tomorrow, mini break pod, but just quickly yep. because that Svitolina Halep match so enticing. As I mentioned, Svitolina, 2017 French Open, up 5-1 in the second set, had Halep on the ropes. Obviously, Halep comes back not only to win that match, but win the only Grand Slam of her career. Uh, just initial thoughts going in. Who's the favorite in your mind? For me, it's it's Halep. I, I don't know. I really don't know why. I mean, to me, she's just, I guess, over the course of both of their careers, she's been a little bit more steady at the top. Svitolina's had some more up and down results. Simona's, I, I would say, more comfortable at this stage of a Grand Slam. She's been here more times than Svitolina has. Um, so I would give Halep a slight edge there and I'm going to go ahead and pick Halep, but I think it could be a great match and I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, if Svitolina wins, I definitely would not be completely shocked by that at all. I expect a great match. 
Svitolina 4-3 versus Halep overall lifetime. Uh, we'll get into all of the breakdowns, when they've played, what those results have looked like. Um, oh, sorry, the, that Roland Garros matchup wasn't a semifinal. It was a quarterfinal. Excuse Correct. me. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about all that tomorrow. I will say to your point right now, Simona Halep, a slight favorite on Bovada, minus 225 to Svitolina's plus 175. What that shows to me is, yes, much like you, they really could see it going either way. And, it look, it's, it's going to be a fantastic match. But as much as people will focus on that side of the draw, and they really should, we were treated to some outstanding tennis on the other side of the draw as well. The match I had initially planned to start with because, you know, obviously us being American tennis fans, this <laughs> is one I'm sure we were both locked in on, but one I'm happy to talk about now as well. Number 11 seed, Serena Williams. You can never doubt her coming into a Grand Slam, although I do think I saw her odds before the tournament and thought they were a bit low. I was just like, who's betting on Serena? We haven't seen her this year. She lost early at the French Open to Kennan. You know, she hadn't really played since then. And she has just, you know, proved anyone who, you know, it, it's people like me, it shows my youth and my naivete uh, that I doubt Serena Williams, who knocks off an in-form playing her best tennis of her career, Allison Risk, 6-4, 4-6, in a match that if you like aggressive grass tennis, this was for you. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, Allison Risk, big shout out to her, man. I mean, I know she didn't win this one, but oh, heartbreaking. God, heartbreaking. It, it, it is, but look, I mean, let's just, for me at least, I'm just super happy that she even made it this far. I mean, we know she's a great grass court player. Her, her career, her best results have always come on this surface, and we know she can play on it. But, I mean, a result like this was great, and she took out some excellent players along the way. Donna Vekic she beat in the first round. I know she beat Belinda Bencic. Um, you know, obviously, number one player, Ash Barty. I mean, that's just – it's an unbelievable run. Serena was just better today, man. I mean, that's really all there is to it. And, you know, back to your point about us doubting her a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was in that same boat. We hadn't seen her. She hadn't shown, you know, that level that we expect of a Serena Williams. But of all tournaments, I just feel like Wimbledon is the tournament that she has the best shot at, right? I mean, more so than the French, even more so than Australia. It's just like Wimbledon, if Serena's going to do it and show up and play her best again, this is the tournament, right? Uh, it's far from a hot take, but Serena's best shot, the thing that differentiates her from every other player in women's tennis history is her serve. Yes. And and the grass court is obviously best suited for her to use that serve and dominate with it. And for Allison Risk, who had been one of the best returners at Wimbledon, you know, top five in terms of first serve, second serve, points one on the return heading into this round, her advantage was neutralized. She wasn't able to take balls, take returns early, or actually, you know, a little bit she was because she goes five of five on break points. But the difference yeah. being, uh, the, but the difference being for Serena, you know, it's that you know, even though Risk was able to get some breaks because Serena is Serena, she's able to hit the cover off of her ground strokes as well. She goes six of sixteen on break points, can create more opportunities for herself than Risk. And you know, when your biggest strength is also your opponent's biggest strength on that day, that never bodes well. And then for Serena, you know, despite being broken five times, first of all, Allison Risk to go five of five on break points—that's about as good as you can hope for <laughs> for that sort of 
of level of success. Uh, but Serena, 19 aces against two double faults. Yeah. Only makes 58% of her first serves, and I think that's the big thing, much like Svitolina. She'll have to improve as, you know, if she gets to the final against a Svitolina or Halb, even in her next round as well. Um, but she wins 64% of those points, 51% of her second serve points. 49 winners against 27 unforced errors. It just it it reminds everyone that when Serena is hitting the ball cleanly, it's unlike anything we've ever seen in the women's tennis game. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's the difference. It's not that Allison Risk really played poorly. I mean, because because she didn't. But when Serena's at this level, man, I mean, you said 49 winners. I'm assuming that includes the aces as well. But still. I mean, that's that's a ton of winners, man. And when she's at that level, yeah, look, she's the greatest of all time on the women's side. We know that. So, I mean, it's not a shock that if she's going to play that well that, uh, you know, this is the result that we get. I think Risk did a great job to come back and win that second set. That was awesome in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, she, she played a good match overall. I mean, 25 winners, 18 unforced errors. That's not bad. Not whatsoever. Five of five on break points against Serena. That's incredible. It was really a good match. And again, similar to the Svitolina Mukova match, this is what we want at this stage of the tournament in the quarterfinals. And, and that's what we got. So I'm, I'm happy about it. Yeah, and look, total points won, Serena 96, Risk 89, a seven-point gap. That shows how thin the margins were in this match. And yep. Again, Allison Risk has so many positives to take away from this Wimbledon. She's proven she can beat the top players at the biggest events, uh, you know, playing her aggressive style of tennis, taking the Can it translate both. to other surfaces, though? That's, that's what I'm worried about, man. I don't know. That's the only thing... I just don't know if, like, this is going to be the run of her career or if she can keep this level of play up as we go into the heart, the U.S. Open hardcourt well, swing. I don't know. The slower the court, the harder it is for her to hit through the way she is at, Wimble- or at Wimbledon, right? And for risk, you know, for Serena, I think that was the thing. She took time away from, uh, from Allison. She didn't allow her to come forward as comfortably. She only gets to the net 17 times in this match, converts nine of them, but still, you know, a winning recipe probably looks like her going to the net and having a little bit more success over the course of that. And Serena just took that away from her. You know, on on slower courts, obviously these players so physically fit, they're going to get looks at passing shots, and it's just hard to keep that sort of pressure on players over the course of a two of a three set match. Um, but I mean, she's serving well, she's returning well. If she can keep hitting returns like this, it doesn't matter the surface. You return and follow that in, you're going to have a lot of chances to you know break serve and put yourself in winning positions. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, I, the serve is a vulnerability. It's it's it, not that big of a weapon, right? It's it, it's going to be very interesting, man. I, I'm excited to to see what Allison Risk does the rest of this year, 2019, man. Because I mean, yeah, she, this was a great tournament. Every time I, I I watched her play, I was impressed. I was like, wow. I mean, she she deserves to have these results, but it is grass. And then when you when you look at her results throughout her career. All of the good results are on grass, so I'm just – I'm a little hesitant to really get too, too excited just because we haven't seen the pedigree on the other surfaces. But, I mean, now's as good of a time as ever if she's going to do it, so we'll see.
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And unfortunately for her, her run comes to an end. But obviously for Serena, she's got to be feeling good now as she's going to match up with our other semifinalists. The last match we have to break down, unseated Barbara Striskova, who had made one Grand Slam quarterfinal appearance coming into this tournament, reaches her second one here, matched up with number 19 seed and home crowd favorite Joe Conta. And they play an incredibly tight first set, not that many breaks along the way. Uh, these players both holding serve and putting pressure on one another, playing the aggressive strike first tennis that you're able to see on grass. But Striskova takes a tight second set tiebreaker, 7-5, and then runs away with it, 6-1. You know, Matt, again, for Striskova, yes, her all of her success has come at Wimbledon in the Grand Slams, but she hasn't had much. I mean, what have you thought of her run throughout these, uh, you know, this early part of the fortnight? Oh, I mean, I think it's been a great run. Somebody that we definitely wouldn't have expected to be in the semifinals. I think we can both agree on that. You didn't have but her in, her, in your bracket? You, I, I, who uh, I, loves picking upsets? Yeah, I did not, man. I did not. Uh, you know, that's for sure. But look, she she's a veteran. She's She's been around a while. I mean, what is she, about 33 years old now? I mean... She's a good player, and, and and she's had success on tour before, currently ranked about 54, but she's definitely been higher than that. And all around, she just has a good all-around game. I mean, that's really the bottom line. I mean, she can come to the net. I don't think in this match the the statistics are really indicative of the game that she can play at times. She's, she's a very successful doubles player, so... Yeah, this is a good surface for her. I mean, because she can play all around, serves pretty well. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I I don't know, man. Kanta, to me, just she, – she didn't have it. And, and she had been playing so well. But that's the thing about Joe Kanta's game. And every time I watch her, it's, it's like one of two things are going to happen. She's either on, like really on, and she's going to – look super good like she did against Sloan Stevens like she did in the last match and just absolutely crush winners past people or she's going to be off and, and it's just going to look like oh like yeah you can tell she's not having a good day that's what frustrates me about her game and so this was a match where she just didn't have the level that she needed to beat Barbara Streetseva on this on this day but I don't know, man. For Serena, I think she's got to be licking her chops. This is a dream matchup in the semifinals to get this opponent. No disrespect, of course. I mean, she's earned it. She's made the semifinals. But if you're Serena, now is the time. This is her chance to win another major. Right now, I hope she can take advantage of it. Yeah, and just to finish up on the Strisk of a part, she's 33 years old, as you mentioned. Career high number 16 she reached in singles in 2017, currently ranked 48. She does have four other fourth rounds to her name, or five other, I should say, prior to this, and you know three third rounds before that. So she has had some success in majors. It may be yeah. a bit of a, an exaggeration said, you know, this came out of nowhere. But as you mentioned, uh, I believe she's, what, a five-time semifinalist in Grand Slam doubles. Uh, so, yeah, she's... She She's certainly uh, an accomplished player, but she just kept attack, attack, attack. And as I've said before, Joe Conta, her ground strokes, very wristy, very, it's almost yep. like there's a hitch. They're like attached to her body and then she goes out and gets it. And yeah. the way Striskova attacked kept coming to the net. Obviously, she has a ton of success on her first serve or on her serve in this match. 67% win percentage on the first, 74% on the second. You know, she holds Conta to getting only two breakpoint chances. Conta does convert one of them, but for 
for Striskova. Uh, she's three of seven on hers. 22 winners against nine unforced errors. I mean, she yeah. let Kanta beat herself, and that's ultimately what Kanta did with 28 winners against 34 unforced errors. Now, again, that's not to be disrespectful to Joe Kanta, who you're looking at her year. Uh, you know, now she's made, what, the, the quarterfinals here at Wimbledon. She made the semifinals uh, at our last major in Roland yeah. Garros. I believe she's, what, hovering right now in that top 20 with this ranking. Maybe she makes a push towards the top 10, but just not the way she probably wanted to go out at her home major. No, it's definitely not. But, you know, again, I just – it's that part of her game where it's just – it's like this or that. I, I don't know. I, I feel like she has a hard time adjusting, you know, and switching the game plan up if she doesn't come out on fire. You know what I mean? And and like you mentioned, Streets of a dip, she, she did exactly what she needed to do. Nine unforced errors. Perfect. That's excellent. Single-digit errors in a quarterfinal match at Wimbledon is phenomenal. And then you look at 34 from from Kanta, and it's just – I mean that that tells the story of the match right there, man. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And look, we can uh, wrap there. And as I mentioned, we'll do more in-depth previews tomorrow. But just quickly, uh, you mentioned this is the opportunity for Williams. I'm going to flip it on you. What does Striskova have to do, to, uh, not tomorrow, but the next day, to make Serena uncomfortable, pull out the upset, and you know, ultimately make that final at Wimbledon? What, would mean, that, I- what does that match look like? It's going to be tough, but I think she just really needs to mix it up and and kind of junk it up as much as possible. She cannot get into a slugfest with Serena. She's obviously going to have to serve well. I think that's a given. If she serves well, I want to I want to see her come into the net often. And I know that's a bit of a risk against Serena because she can get past. But if she does it on the right balls, I mean Serena doesn't move as well as she once did. There's no question about it. We can't hide that fact. So I think if Streetsiva comes in off the right balls, I want to see her finish points at the net. I want to see her slice her backhand, junk it up a little bit, throw Serena off, give her variety, and I I think that's her best shot. Because if she sits back there and tries to get into a slugfest, that's exactly what Serena wants, and that will not work. I completely agree with you. She's going to have to take time, take the net, just make yep. first serve, serve like she did today against contest, sort of weather the storm, understand there's going to be games where Serena hits four big first serves, and you're just not going to break that game. But you can't let frustration at your return game cloud any of your judgment on the first serve. You've got to make them against Serena. Because as we saw today, and even in her mixed doubles match, I mean, if she gets a clean look at a return, you're not you're, good luck. Um, and and then you know, just one last point on this Wimbledon semifinals for the women's side. It's funny because with Conta's elimination, we have names like Williams, Halep, Fidelina in the draw, and yet the the 2019 Wimbledon semifinals will feature no players to have competed in either the 2019 Australian Open or Roland Garros semifinals. It's just, again, it speaks to the fact there are so many women capable of making these sort of two-week runs, and I'm really happy with this, with the place that, you know, where the WTA is at. I think the level is as high as it's ever been. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's interesting to watch. I've really enjoyed watching the, the, the women's side of this tournament because, I mean, obviously we had the Coco Goff story, and, you know, there's a bunch of young players, but, I mean, look, we've got Serena and Barbara Streetseva in one semifinal, two veterans that have been around a while that are well north of 30 years old. 
So yeah, like you mentioned, it's the combination of both. And week in and week out, we don't know who's going to win. We don't have the one or two just dominant players. It used to be Serena, but it's not anymore. There's there's many more players that have a chance to win each event. So I agree, man. It's It's been fun to see it all unfold. Uh, to me, the best part is that for the semifinals, Serena's playing in one of them, and that's, in my opinion, not even close to being the more intriguing of the matches. Like, yeah, Halep's that's Fidelina, fair. Halep's Fidelina is everything for me as a tennis fan. I want that sort of rivalry I feel like doesn't exist right now between you know two players in the smack of their prime on the ATP side. Obviously, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, those rivalries you know sort of transcend time, but there are no current players in the ring. You know, Tsitsipas, Medvedev still a little bit on the younger side for that sort of comparison, and we obviously haven't seen them match up at the latest, later stages of a Grand Slam, but we do get that sort of matchup, that sort of intrigue on the women's side. So it's a perfect balance. But with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the men's side because obviously we have our quarterfinal day for the men tomorrow and we have four interesting matches all for a different variety of reasons. Uh, let's start with the oddball out. Number 26 seed Guido Pea takes on number 23 seed Roberto Bautista Agut. I mentioned this yesterday, but Bautista Agut before the age of 30. No Grand Slam quarterfinals, although I believe he had made something like nine fourth rounds. Now this year he makes two quarterfinals, one in Australia, now one here. He's the only guy in the tournament who has yet to drop a set versus Guido Pea, who's coming off of maybe, uh, you know, the most thrilling match on the men's side from Manic Monday, an 8-6 fifth set win over Milos Raonic, a guy a lot of people had as a dark horse pick to make the semifinals. You look at the career head-to-head, Roberto Bautista, 2-0 all-time in their matchups. They played earlier this year in Munich. That was a 4-6-6-4-6-0 win for RBA. They also played in the first round of the Australian Open in 2017, 6-3-6-1-6-1 for RBA. So what that tells me is, one, obviously they've never played on grass. Uh, but two, you look at both of these guys coming into the year, you know, uh, Bautista Gut ranked 22, Guido Pea 26. Both guys have a title. Both guys successful records. RBA 23 and 11, Pea 23 and 15. It's a toss up in my mind, Matt. <sighs> let me let me just start off by saying this. I, I want to take this time to apologize to Guido Pella because <laughs> I have. Uh, well, one, I, you, should, you should apologize for that terrible pronunciation. I, th- I think that's the proper pronunciation, actually. Um, anyway, that that's not the point of this, Gruskin. Let me let me <laughs> let me get to this, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here. But you know, in the past, that I've I have called Pella a a clay court specialist, justifiably, I might add. Yeah, it, you know, throughout his career, he had always shown up during the clay court season. His best results, by far, had been on that surface. Real quick, this, to, to add some context to that note, just to point that, again, I'm, I want to have your back here because I agree with you. Coming into this Wimbledon, Paya, 58-45, and 45, a 563 win percentage on clay. 29-46, 387 win percentage on hard. 4-9, 308 win percentage on grass. The numbers did not lie. They backed you, Matt. That's right. They, they do back me. However, I... I I'm going to put an apology out there because I just – throughout this run, man, this guy can play on all surfaces. Let's let's not kid. I mean he's – what would you say? 26 in the world? I mean the guy can play. He's a tricky lefty. 
what he's done has proven that his game is not just a clay court game. I mean, he can return serve well. He has a good all-around game. He doesn't have the biggest serve, but he is a lefty. It can be tricky. We know he can grind from the baseline. But I've seen him play well at the net. I mean, I'm telling you, man, throughout this tournament, I've seen him play all over the place, and he's done it well. I've called him a clay court specialist, and and I feel bad. I'm sure he's not listening to this right now, but I'm just I'm very impressed with with the run that he's put together here. And yeah, look, I apologize, man. That is my bad. I will not refer to him, Guido Pella, as a clay court specialist ever again. You're never going to hear me say that well, from this point forward. But well, on that note, yeah, I was I'm, take, say, I'm one, taking RBA. <laughs> that was great. Uh, well, I should say, one, never underestimate our Argentinian following. Two, uh, yeah, I – Everything you just said held true. The way he's been getting around his forehand uh, throughout this tournament, just moving the ball side to side. He played Milos Raonic, and you know you're only going to get limited opportunities when you play someone like that. He goes down two sets to love. It doesn't matter. He still, you know, plays through it, uh, holds his nerve, gets a couple breaks of serve on Raonic. Uh, he was down again. match points. Milos was serving for the match. Yeah, and just when you have I mean, that that sort of moment, it's so special, the momentum you can take away from that. And unlike the women, he did get a day off to sort of rest up physically. And, you know, 8-6 in the fifth, yeah, that sounds tough, but you are also still playing Re- Milos Raonic, so the points aren't going to be that long. But on the Bautista RBA, Agut hasn't dropped a set yet, has that's, he? That's what I'm saying. He hasn't yeah. dropped a set. You look at his style of play. He's you know a shorter guy, stocky, so he's able to move around these grass courts comfortably. Keeps the ball low, drives through the court. Again, these balls, his his ground strokes seem to be just sliding through this court so easily. It's going to be a very nice matchup. I just love the way Bautista Good can take time away from Pea in a disciplined manner. You know, anytime Pea wants to go heavy topspin on the grass, he's not going to be able to get as much depth and pace on it as as he would on a clay court. And I think Bautista Good's going to be able to have chances to redirect shots, be the aggressor at all times. I mean, it's definitely a toss-up. You know, if pay, whoever plays better, I know that sounds very simple, but the the disparity between these two is so thin that right. whoever plays better on any given day really could win. But I agree, just given the weapons, given the form we've seen from RBA, given that he's been in this stage before for Paya, it's his first quarterfinal. Slight favorite in my mind. You, you know what that means, though, right? Yeah, Pay is winning for sure. Right, right, exa- exactly. And validates your apology. So I feel like no matter what, we're winners in the end. That's you know what I, I like your thinking, man. I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> Look, uh, maybe I'll fill in for Jamie more often. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm I'm so satisfied with my Tuesday nights off. Um, but with that in mind, you said you're leaning RBA. Give me a pick. Who and how many sets? Give me RBA in in four. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll go with you. You know I like to disagree, but I'm, I'm riding with him as well. Um, but all right, yeah. let's let's look at our next match. We've put them off as long as we can. It's time to talk about the big three. Uh, all of them, honestly, fascinating matchups for a bunch of different reasons. Let's start with the American, have to be biased. Sam Query, a dream, uh, not a dream run because I guess he's been at this stage before. But for him, yes, he made a final b- the week before. But you look at his record in 2019, 13-8 uh, and eight on the year, no titles. His ranking coming into the tournament, number 65. 
far from the high point of Sam Query, and obviously he had been injured and just battling a bunch of different things the past year and a half, but has really put together a fantastic run. He matches up with number uh, number three seed, I believe, Rafael Nadal, who obviously coming in number two in the world, uh, wins the French Open, doesn't play in the warm-up to this, but we know what he's capable of always. He's dropped one set along the way in his match against Nick Kyrgios in the second round, but other than that, has looked just truly dominant throughout his run. Uh, you look at their career head-to-head, Nadal 4-1 to over Query, but their last matchup, Query was able to win in the Acapulco final in 2017, 6-3, 7-6. They've never played on a grass court before, and it goes without saying... If if Sam Query was going to ask, you know, you're you're forced to play Rafa Nadal, pick the surface you want to play yes. him on, he'd say grass. Oh, no question about it, man. I mean, and it's look for Sam, it's going to be a simple formula. He's going to have to serve huge. How how quickly can he win service games? That's what I want to know. Can he win service games at love or at fifteen? Because if he can do that. That's going to put pressure on Nadal. He's going to have to be super aggressive with his groundies, man. Sam, every time he gets a forehand, he is going to have to attack. Look, it's a tall order against Rafa. Rafa's playing great. Three out of five sets. I mean, God, I want to pick Sam so bad. I think he can do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pick (laughs) Rafa, but, but look... Sam is so confident right now. I mean, he said it himself in in recent interviews. I mean, he just – he steps out there and he doesn't care who he's playing. It doesn't matter. If he plays his game the way that he knows how – He's, go- he's going to win. He has a, a very good chance to do it against anybody because when he serves the way that he does and backs it up with those huge groundies, he, he can kind of take the racket out of your hand on this surface. But against Rafa, I mean, God, it's just so hard to do, man. But, I mean, he's got a chance. He's knocked out Joker at Wimbledon before. He's had big results here. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. And I want it to happen. I just, I don't know three out of five. I'm leaning Rafa. Well, look, Tennis Sandgren is no Rafael Nadal. But if you're Sam Query, the thing you look at coming into this match, you just played a match where you did not drop serve over the course of four sets. You won two tie breaks. And yes, you only broke Sandgren once. But your game, I think, came to the net something of like 75 times, had above a 60% conversion rate. The things you just did against Tennis Sandgren, you're going to have to do on steroids against Rafa Nadal. And, you know, they both play spinny forehands, obviously, backhands that drive through the court, but one, Nadal's the lefty version, two, again, Tennis Sandgren on steroids, that's Rafael Nadal, Uh, so it's a lot harder to execute, but you know what your game plan has to look like, you've already knocked out a top 10 seed in this event in Dominic team, you made the final the week before on grass, for Sam Query, he's got nothing to lose at this point, Uh, obviously he's going to have to go big down the line, change direction, take, don't let Rafa get in a rhythm, all things hold true, Um, and yet... Yeah, it, it it becomes very hard given the level Rafa's displayed so far. I mean, it, it, it 
I know it's tough to say, but I really do think his ground strokes have become more aggressive, that he's added more pace to the ball, that he's willing to shorten points, come to the net more in 2019 than he ever did five, ten years ago. And that new dimension, this is, you know, Rafa, I would say this is Rafa 3.0 because young Rafa was just reckless. It was just, you know, he's tracking everything down, going for crazy things. It's what, you know, a 16 to 21 year old looks like. Then there's Rafa 2.0 and that's him at his prime where the physicality plus the shot selection just plus the mental stamina everything kind of matched up and yeah that's when Rafa went on his run usurped Federer at a certain point pre-Djokovic and now we have you know 3.0 Rafa where physically he can't do maybe some of the you know any it's not a stretch to say he's much older he can't move the way he used to but he's made up for it in such intelligent ways the way he's dominating with his serve now as well it's just Sam's going to have to play so well, and I could just see, much like, I feel like Rafa approaches this match with Query and has a very similar game plan to the one he did against Nick Kyrgios, and that's why I think, you know, for Rafa to have that sort of Kyrgios experience early on against a big hitter, I I just don't think, you know, we saw Kyrgios struggle against Nadal, and, you know, not that Kyrgios has been playing great in 2019, but the level he displayed, I would say, is higher than anything I've seen quite from Sam in this tournament. Maybe maybe Kyrgios has matched Sam's high, and it's just like, it's Rafa. Like, I'm sorry, Sam, but as well as you're playing, it's Rafa. Yeah. That, that's why, man. It's just right now, I think it's fair to say with the way that Roth is playing. And, and to be honest, I don't know if I expected him to play at the level that he's shown in this tournament. You mentioned no warm-up tournaments on grass. He came off the French Open. It's Wimbledon, not his favorite tournament. Yet, here he is, and he looks phenomenal. I think it's fair to say that he has a, he has a great shot at the title, right? I mean— I, Look, as good as Novak and Roger are playing, Rafa is right there with those guys. And if he brings it, I, I would not be shocked if he won Wimbledon. I just – I wouldn't. And so, therefore, I've got to pick him in this match. But for Sam, again, it's simple. I want to see him go big. He's got to go huge every chance he gets. Let it rip. Nothing to lose. You have to play that way against Rafa or, or he'll eat you up. So, I just – I hope Sam serves well. I hope he can win some service games quickly, get a, get a rhythm, and and just go for the groundies, man. And then it could be a hell of a match. He'll win if he has less than 30 unforced errors because that means he's playing that outstanding. But I would say if he has less than 30 unforced errors, it means he's not playing as, aggressive, as aggressively as he should be. And so I want to see him run up those numbers tomorrow. Net points, winners, just... Take right. your shots, Sam, because, again, we don't know how many more of these opportunities you're going to have. Uh, so, I, And he doesn't need me to tell him. He knows what to do. He's been at this stage before. Uh, you said Rafa. I'll agree with you. I'm going to go Rafa in, in f- uh, I'll say four. A tie yeah. four. A two tiebreaker four set match. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. I agree. All right. Well, with that being said, you mentioned Rafa Nadal. You think he definitely has a chance to win this tournament. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you. I think there's one guy right now, head and shoulders, just the level he displays when he plays this level. You're like, oh, yeah, that's why he's had as much success as he has had recently. Number one seed, Novak Djokovic, who now matches up with number, I believe, 21 seed, David Goffin. Uh, You look at these guys at this point of the year. Novak, obviously, number one. Goffin, number 23. Novak, two tight. 28 and 6. 
Gofan really had struggled this year before the grass season, but makes that final on Hala before losing to Federer. 18-15 and 15 on the year. No titles, but he's sitting right now 23 in the rankings. Career head-to-head, Djokovic leads 5-1, to one, but the last time they played on the clay in Monaco, 2017, Gofan did win 6-2-3-6-7-5, but obviously a lot has happened for both players since that moment. You know, I love Gofan's game, particularly on the grass. Just the way he's able, every shot for him seems so comfortable. He can change directions. He can absorb pace. He can redirect pace. He can play aggressive tennis, move forward to the net comfortably if need be. (laughs) But, I mean, Novak Djokovic, it's just like sometimes he does things and you're like, how? Like, how can you slide on a grass court? in a controlled fashion. I just, I don't get it. And that's why he's the defending champ. That's why, to me, I mean, regardless of how well Gofan plays, he's just not going to be able to hurt a locked-in Djokovic, and that's why I think Djokovic wins in no more than four sets. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm going with Novak as well. I mean, I'm happy for David Gofan. I mean, he's really come back pretty strong here uh, the last month or, or right two. Now, David Gofan, Milos Raonic, Grigor Dim. Well, here's the thing. It's probably Nishikori's the answer because of that generation. He's the most solid. But like those four guys, it's just like we know Nishikori. He's quarterfinals and out. But the rest of you guys, like this is your time. You're in your physical primes. And so, yeah, I agree. So glad Gofan gets this chance. Yep, me too. He he deserves it. He's he's such a good player. I mean, he has to battle some some adversity out there. Smaller guy, you know, pretty thin. I mean, he's it, it's tough for him to compete at this level, but he does a great job. He does so many things well. It's just yeah. I mean, we we talk about Novak. I I, I say it's machine like. I mean, he's like a robot. I mean, the things that he can do don't really seem like a normal human would be able to do, but. Uh, you know, I remember Gruskin, that match, you, you say he's head and shoulders above everybody else. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say head and shoulders. He's he's definitely up there. I mean, he's the one seed. He's number one in the world. He's playing the best. But do you remember that semifinal match from last year at Wimbledon with Rafa? Rafa was right in that match, man. That was basically the final, in my opinion, because the final with Kevin Anderson was kind of a, you know, a, a bit of a dud. That match, man, if we if we see that matchup in the final this year, ooh, it could be it could be good, man. But the counter to that is look at the Djokovic portion of the draw. Djokovic, Gofen, RBA, and uh, I'm blanking out already, but um Pella. Yeah, and just I mean compared to Rafa side, Query, Nadal, Nishikor, uh, Query, Query, Federer, Nishikori. Yeah. I mean, Djokovic is like, yep, I, I, it, it broke perfectly for me. So just that sort of level, the fact that he's going to go, well, it's too soon to say. That. I mean, Both in the final, though. I don't mean, I don't mean getting to the final. I mean, in the final. But I'm saying it's. I mean, it's impossible for any of these guys because of the level everyone's playing at. But you would say Novak Djokovic on paper, he loves his portion of the draw, his path to the final, way more than anyone on the bottom half of the draw. Oh, for sure. And it's like the you know, I just think given that, uh, given the level I've seen from Novak, given that I just think physically it's going to be harder for Rafa and Federer now to keep up with Djokovic than it was, you know, three, five years ago. I mean, Federer, we'll talk about him in a second, you know, if he's making shots just the way his game is suited to grass tennis, there's a reason he's the best grass tennis player of all time. Um, But I just, 
I don't know how you beat Djokovic at, at, in three out of five right now. I don't know how you can keep that level up. I thought Hubie Hercatch in the second round played about as good of tennis as I've seen anyone play against Djokovic at a slam this year. Uh, obviously, maybe other than Dominic Team at the French, and it was just like, yeah, it didn't matter. Sets three and four. Djokovic kind of turned, you know, stepped on the gas and did his thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly right. I just. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I I, I know you're going to hate this, but I, what I really what I really want to see is a Fed and Rafa semifinal, and whoever comes out of that battle is going to be in the final against Novak. And I just I want to see classics, man. I'm I, we're almost there. I mean, we're in the quarters. Once we get to the semis, oh man, I I can't wait. I I know I know you probably don't want to see all that, but you know me, man. I'm, no. I'm going to be loving it. I'll say this: if Andy Murray and Serena lose in mixed, I will not watch another men's match the entirety of this tournament because I'm just like, nope, I'm I'm good on. No, I'm just kidding. Lame. Obviously, I, yeah, obviously I'm all in. But I feel like we're writing off David Goffin because I think if yeah, no, no, yeah. we're not. Joker in three. I'm taking Joker in three. I'll give. Mm, I'm not I'm, giving. Him, I'm not giving him a set. He uh, look. He he has the ability, GoFan, to win a set. I think he could potentially do it, but I'm not going to pick it. I think Novak is even going to raise his level a little bit now that we're in the quarters. I think he gets it done in straights. And that's a scary proposition. I'll go GoFan in four, just to differ from you. A You're going to go with GoFan in four. No, no, GoFan in four. Thank you, Djokovic in four. GoFan right. gets to a fourth is what I meant I, to say. I, I almost fell out of my seat here. <laughs> I just got a whole rant about how Djokovic is the favorite, and then I picked GoFan. <laughs> that would be very like me, um, but no. I'll take Djokovic in four to clarify. But with that being said, one last match to talk about. Uh, of course, in honor of Jamie McDonald, who I know is the leader of the K Nishikori bandwagon, save this match for last. Uh, Nishikori taking on, of course, Roger Federer. Both of these guys coming into this match, I think having dropped only one set on the tournament. Uh, you look at their career head-to-heads. Federer leads 7-3 all-time on the year. Federer 32 and 4, three titles. Nishikori 23 and 10, one title. You know, Federer number three in the world, Nishikori number seven. So both in relatively good form. Uh, you look at their all time matchups. They played twice in 2018. Fed beat him 4 and 4 in Paris. Nishikori, a 6 and 3 winner at the ATP Finals. They've played on grass once before in Hala back in 2014. Federer wins that match 6 3, 7 6. I made a joke last night that, you know, you should call K Nishikori K. I'm going to get to the quarterfinals and ultimately lose to a top four seed Nishikori because that seems like that's his destiny. And with all due respect, you know, I would say that's the case usually, but I've been so plain, Jane. I'm going to make the case for the Nishikori upset. Three out of five sets, the way Kei Nishikori is hitting his ground strokes right now, moving opponents around the court, taking the ball away from them, you know, or even when on the defense, just going down the lines, keeping his opponents off balance. In the three out of five set format, now that we're seeing this version of Federer, and again, the last time these guys played in a Grand Slam, 2017 Australian Open round of 16, Federer ended up winning the match 6-3 in the fifth. I think it's going to be very hard for Roger Federer if Nishikori, you know, plays the level he's played, the, you know, previously in this. And that, is, of course, you come out against Roger Federer, as we saw with Berrettini, you're going to have a little bit of nerves under you. But if Nishikori can keep his wits about him, he's going to be able to hurt Roger. And three out of five set format, you know, he can get he gets that first or gets one of the first two sets, stretches it to a fourth set. Now you're really testing Roger Federer, who again he's what 36. Seven years old coming to this one. He's not getting any younger. Thirty-eight next month. 
there's certainly a pathway for Nishikori to win. That being said, explain why Roger's the favorite, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Um, I couldn't <laughs> couldn't disagree more with what you just said in making that case for Nishikori. Here's why. Look, Roger, I, I, I don't think Nishikori is going to be able to hurt Roger. I think Roger is going to make him uncomfortable. He's going to slice him and bring him into the net. Counterpoint, 3-7 and seven all time against Roger, given how dominant he's been. That's really don't not care. bad. No, but that's don't not care. bad, but it isn't bad. It's not bad. No, I, I, I agree that it's not bad, but I don't care about that. Not in this match. Not at Wimbledon. Roger, I'm picking fed in straights. Three sets. Oh. I, and I just... Look, this is where Kei Nishikori loses. You already mentioned this, Alex. You said it yourself. It's Kei get to the quarters and go out to a top seed. That's exactly what's going to happen here. And it's not really his fault. He does a great job of getting to this stage in the tournament. He's a top eight player. I mean, quarterfinals, that's really what Kei Nishikori is. But when it comes to these top three guys... It's look, he has the ability to beat them, obviously. He has head to head victories, but it's not happening here, man. Roger looks good. The way that he played against Berrettini, his returns of serve, I don't think Nishikori is going to be able to serve near well enough to threaten Roger. And I, I just don't think he's going to be able to hurt him. I think Roger's going to have his way. He's going to be serving well. I think he's going to mix it up, slice, try to bring Nishikori in. Fed's going to come to the net himself. I just I think it sets up too perfectly. I like this matchup for Roger a lot. Give me Fed in straights. Look, that's fair. And again, we talked about uh, Nishikori. You look at his losses when he's reached the quarterfinals or later at a Grand Slam. He's lost to Chilich, Stan, Djokovic, Djokovic, Nadal, Murray. Uh, you look, he's lost to Sanga. I mean, yeah, this is the stage where he faces a higher seed. He's lost to Djokovic again. He usually falls to that top seed. But that being said, if you're going to play any version of Roger Federer, this is the version you want to play. And I really do think... Again, there's a scenario in this. I guess of the top three seeds, Matt, if I was to say Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, which one in your mind is most susceptible to an upset? And we can kind of round things off here. Uh, I would say it's Federer. Yeah, I disagree. I think it's Rafa Nadal because Sam Querrey possesses a big, powerful serve in massive groundies that Kenny Shikori just doesn't have. And we're playing on grass. If we were on clay, I would agree with you. But I think on this surface, man, Nishikori does not have the serve that's going to threaten Roger. I mean, did you see the way he returned against Berrettini, who was dropping 130? I mean, Fed looked great in the return game. I say Rafa is the most susceptible to an upset because Sam Querrey can just kind of take the racket out of his hand if he's serving that well and just absolutely blasting his groundies. That, to me, is the best chance for an upset if he's hot. Yeah, look, I think that's fair. I'm just happy I got you to make a case for an upset. I feel like that's a mini break first. Uh, so let's definitely wrap things there. I, 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 or I guess final pick. You're, you're taking – you said Federer and straights? Yep, that's right. Do I take Nishikori in five? No, I can't be that provocative. I'll take Fed in five, though. I say Nishikori is going to get two of this, or get two sets along the way, make Fedder sweat a little bit, but all in right. the end, Fedder's going to get the job done. But all right, with that being said, any final thoughts? 
Yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. It's uh, quarterfinals. It's going to be a lot of fun. Each one of these matchups really, I mean, is going to be interesting. Everybody's playing pretty well. I mean, Novak, GoFans playing great. Obviously, Pella and Bautista, Goot, to get to this point, they're playing some of their best tennis. We know Rafa and Fed. Nishikori's been great. And Sam Querrey loves this tournament, man, on the grass. So I think each guy, you know, the, these are, these are going to be some good matches. I'm ready for it completely agree with you and to our listeners who have missed any of the action go check out our website crackedrackets.com you know the deal by now this podcast the great shot podcast cracked interviews what the deuce like rate subscribe review i'll listen to these shows to get your daily dose of tennis because we promise you will enjoy them and again any review any rating you guys have if you leave a little review on any of the pods you will be eligible to win our free gear giveaway just leave your instagram you know social media handle in there and we will get in contact with you obviously have to give a huge shout out to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff who continue to have a of an editing job to do and have been killing it all wimbledon long but with that being said for my incredible co-host, Matt Stokowiak, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Correct Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Uh, Maddie, what is the thing both uh, Mukova and Svitolina were able to get a ton of today? That's a break. I'm glad to hear it, and we hope you enjoy the men's quarterfinals. Everyone, enjoy. Enjoy.